Welcome back to the Pine Hills Church Podcast. My name is Aaron, and I'm so grateful that you are choosing to listen to this week's episode, but I also want to encourage you to go back to last week's episode and to listen to that because it's pretty foundational content for what we're going to talk about in this episode. But just to kind of summarize it as quickly as I can, to kind of entice you to go back to actually listen to the full conversation that we had, we looked at what does it look like to practice Sabbath, which means rest, which is something that we believe that God actually weaves into the fabric of creation, this rhythm that we were created to work, but that we also need to pull back and we need to have rhythms of rest in our life to not buy into the lies of culture that says we just need to constantly keep grinding. But no, we trust that God has given us work to do. We want to do that to the best of our ability, but he also gives us the invitation to trust him in the midst of life that we can pull back and we can rest and trust that God is going to continue to hold things in his hand and keep moving things in the direction that he wants them to go within our lives. And so we needed to kind of start to think through what does this look like to have rhythms of rest in our everyday? Like, what does that look like? What do you need to say no to in order to make sure that you have proper ways of resting, of stopping work at some point, connecting with your family? Like, where are those rhythms in your day where you're able to connect with God and to to just be able to spend time with him so you can become more like him so that you can continuously be focused to do the things that he would have you to do? Like, what does that look like? And then there's the invitation once a week to pull back for a 24-hour period where you stop work completely. And the goal with that is that you can connect again with God, that you can worship and notice the things that he has done and is doing and live in gratitude. You can see his movement throughout your week, but you can also reconnect with yourself, allow your body to catch back up with your soul. And then you can also connect with other people. And so that's an offer that's on the table for us to begin to practice, to be intentional about what we do, how we put boundaries around work so that way we can intentionally rest, so we can live from a place of rest. And if we do that, like what does our life look like at that point? What kind of flavor does it take on? Like what do we model for other people? Our culture is so different. If we model the values of our culture, we're probably always going to feel constantly busy, always hurried, and always overextended, which lives to an overly anxious life. And to be clear, this isn't the life that Jesus has in mind when he says in Matthew 11, 28 through 30, which again is a verse that we look a lot at in the last episode. But Jesus says this, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Some might push back as we as we look at this verse and they might say, well, Jesus is in a completely different context and Jesus isn't talking to our cultural moment. He's actually talking to first century Jewish community. And I say our context might be different, but the principles are still true. And I would argue that the words of Jesus are true in every context and in every culture. They might look a bit different, but they will always deliver on Jesus's promise that when we take up his way of doing life, when we pace life differently, 
then even in work, we will do it from a place of life and rest and non-anxiousness. But this type of life takes intentionality. One of the ways to experience this is to create a rhythm more in line with God's created rhythm than the rhythm of our postmodern technological society. And that rhythm, again, is Sabbath of rest. Each, each and every day, finding a way to practice that in small ways of, of, of connecting again with God and yourself and other people. And then that once a week, 24-hour period where you get to and just experience the goodness of God. You get to pull back and experience and remember again that God is good, that he's a provider, that we don't have to buy into the lies of our culture, that we can trust that he's watching out for us, and we can simply enjoy the good things that God has given us. If you want any more information about what that looks like, and that's piquing your interest, again, go back to the last episode. But in this episode, we're looking at how to practice simplicity which is an odd concept in our cultural moment that constantly beats the drum for more, consume more, work more, do more. But centering our life around Jesus will require a departure from the myths of our culture that are clearly over-promising and under-delivering or not delivering at all. So what are the reasons that we need to practice simplicity? Well, the offer is to have more space in your schedule to have more margin between things, to live less hurried, to live less anxious, to be able to connect more with those who matter most, to be able to be more connected with the space that you inhabit every day, to be more connected with your city, and then be able to be more generous with your time and your resources and your finances. Paul in the book of Romans says this in Romans chapter 12, verses 1, says, So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Jesus sacrificed his life for us to have freedom from everything that traps and enslaves us to things that do not bring life. And he gives us empowerment to live a life from his worldview, free from the common experience of those who do not know God. In response to his, sacri his sacrifice that was so costly, our response should be to center all of our life around his ways of doing life because it can actually pay out on what it promises, unlike our culture, unlike the customs of this world, which cares nothing for you and only requires more and more and more of you. But the way of Jesus is different. Instead of him requiring more, he just wants you. He wants you. He wants to meet you right where you're at and to show you a different way to live, a way that actually can deliver on what he is promising it will. And we all find something we most treasure when we look at our lives. We center all of our lives around this thing that we value most. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. 
Wherever your treasure is there, the desires of your heart will be also. So where is your treasure? Because where your treasure is, that's where you're going to find your heart. That's where you're going to center all of your life around. Jesus says the kingdom of God was like a man that found a box of treasure hidden in a field. In his excitement, he reburied the treasure, went out, and he sold everything he owned so that he could buy the field and claim the treasure. Jesus says the kingdom of God is like the treasure. It's worth selling every other vision of the good life to adopt the only vision of the good life. It's worth rejecting every custom of this world to live to live out the customs of the kingdom of God. But this requires perception, thinking, and living. Verse 22, here's what it says. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for the body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. It's using this language of, of eyes because that's where we see and that's where we get our perception from. And it's really saying our perception matters. So it goes from this movement of where is your treasure because that's where your heart is going to be. Is it here on earth? Is it is it around? Are you centering your life around stuff that could be gone in a moment? Or are you centering it around the thing that's going to live forever, which is the kingdom of God? And then what are you perceiving your life through? What worldview are you looking through? How do you view things? So many people have filled their lives with so many things that they perceive as good, but it's anything but good. And here in the verse, it says, if the things that you perceive are, are good, but are actually dark, how great is that darkness? See, living within the kingdom of God will require a reorientation of our perspectives to lay down those things that actually don't bring about goodness and life and light, but are actually bringing brokenness and darkness into our lives and into the lives of other people. We need to reject those and walk away and allow God to restore our vision and our perception so that way we can see things as they really are, but also see his kingdom and how it's working. And we can step fully into that. And part of the way of doing that is to take on his worldview of his way of doing life, to center our life around him. Because when we do that, then we get to experience the fullness of everything that he's offers. And there's a ton of freedom in that. Let's keep going. No one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. There can only be one master of your life. Those who serve anything else but God, like money, can never seem to ever have enough. They never seem to ultimately be at peace with it. And so the question is, will we serve something like money, which we think will provide for us, but can be gone in the blink of an eye or the crash of a stock market, or serve the one who can actually provide in every circumstance, regardless of what's going on, because he's God who's created everything, who has everything at his disposal. And so if he becomes the treasure, if we center all of our life around him, if we trust him, then we have freedom to live completely different. And our lives and our perspectives are completely changed. We get to reject these old ways of doing life. We get to set down broken dreams in order to pick up better dreams that God has for us. And then we get to truly step into the freedom that he offers. Verse 25, it begins to talk about it. 
This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are, which is echoing back to an Old Testament king who was super rich and had all of the nicest things, including the nicest clothes. And Jesus is saying, he's echoing back to that, like this person who had the nicest clothes that you could imagine wasn't dressed nearly as beautiful as these flowers that are in the field. Verse 30, and if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all of your needs. So seek first the God's kingdom above all else and live righteously. and He will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. See, there's freedom that's found when we center our life around God. We can trust that he will provide for our needs, which means we can reject the cultural messages that have bombarded us more than we can even account on a daily basis. But knowing that our basic needs will be taken care of by God who cares for us, he frees us to seek first the kingdom of God, to seek first the things that he is wanting us to do with our lives, to live fully into our purpose and meaning. He frees us from having to look at the things that we think are just right in front of us and we get to pull our eyes up to see him and all that he's doing and to step fully into all that he is inviting us into. And that's a beautiful thing. And that helps us to live less anxious. It helps us to be more generous with our time, our energy, our resources, because we don't have to fret and worry about the stuff that dominates the minds of so many people that creates so much anxiety we can realize that we can actually live on far less than we think we need. And when we do that, we create more margin, we create more space, we create more ability to be more generous with all that God has put in our hands, all that he's entrusted us with. See, I love Philippians 4. There's this verse that gets quoted a ton, often out of context. They use it saying, man, God's going to help me to get through just everything. We miss the beauty of this text when we just simply throw it on anything. But here's what Paul is saying in Philippians 4. And I want you to remember, this is coming from a guy who's experienced so many different things in his life and his ministry. He went from being someone who is willing to almost murder, to keep people from following after Jesus, to being so bought in on the ways of Jesus that he was willing to be murdered himself. Here's what it says, verse, uh, chapter 4, verses 11. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. 
I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Paul is saying that the secret to life, whether we have abundance or living in lack, is Jesus. He's the source of strength. He's the source of life. He's the source of help for all things. And as we have seen, he is the only one who offers us a life that is is easy. The burden's easy. The burden is light. That comes from Jesus. Not that we don't experience hardship because we do, but his way of doing life helps free us from that weight because we don't have to carry it ourselves. He carries it with us. And so when we adopt his worldview, when we begin to live out his way of doing life, we get to experience freedom and peace that is on offer. And regardless of what happens, we get to live with contentment. We get to surrender all things to his will. See, to put that verse in context, he gives us strength. Like if we're, people put this on a, a verse to talk about sports all the time, and really if you put it in context, it says whether we win the game or lose the game, we can get by on Jesus' strength because he's enough. See, outcomes don't matter because we have him. That's the beauty of that verse. And we get to live content, which is something that our culture does not do and really struggles to, to live out. And to be honest, a lot of Christians struggle to live this out as well because we buy more into the myths of our culture instead of the goodness of the gospel. When we truly buy into the way of Jesus, we can live content. We can live less, trusting that God is going to provide for all of our needs. But oftentimes we confuse the wants and the needs, thinking that we need more than we actually do, really blurring those lines. We just get to trust God. With whatever God gives us, he's going to provide. With whatever doors God opens up as the best things for us. And we get to live life just trusting him in relationship. To get back to Romans chapter 12, just to circle back around verse 2, it says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And so when he becomes the treasure, we get to center our life around him, sell everything else, every other worldview, every other thing. We can give up anything else because in him we find everything. And when we do that, it changes our perception. And then it begins to change the way we think and how we view the world and how we view our involvement in the world and what we choose to do with our time, our energy, our resources. We can live more simply because we trust that God is going to give us everything that we need. And we know that as we practice simplicity, it creates more margin. It creates more space. It creates more ability to do the things that God would have us to do instead of being constantly weighed down with all of the things that our culture tries to say is going to bring us freedom. So there's questions we need to consider as we think through even just the different texts that we thought about today. And the first one is, where's your treasure? If you don't know quite what your treasure is, I want you to think about where you're spending all of your resources, what you're willing to sacrifice for. Like, where is your treasure? What are you centering all of life around? Is it on things that are going to continue to matter? Or is it going to be around things that don't have the ability to be destroyed? Like, where's your treasure? 
I would argue that the best thing that we can do with our life is to center it around God. That's where we find true freedom. And when we do that, we get, begin to practice simplicity. And this is going to look different for each and every one of us in our lives as we both have, we all have different things that are going on with our schedules and how we spend our time and our families look different and the makeup of who we are and our personalities is different. And so we need to just make space to be with God, to say, God, would you come through the power of your spirit? Would you teach me how to live differently because I've been living these lies of culture that have made me so stressed out that have led me to burnout. That's not offering peace in life, but I know that life is found in you. So would you come show me the areas of my life where I need to live more simply so that I can live more into what you have for me, that I could become this non-anxious presence and the ways I just kind of scribble down real fast of ways to just practice simplicity. And maybe you, you can think of a lot more and that's great. And like, let's continue to be in conversation within our community about what this looks like, but just some simple ways to practice simplicity. What you can start with even today as you pray about it. And if the Holy Spirit highlights any of these, begin to practice and experiment and to see what this looks like. The first one is to, to create space within your schedule to make sure that you have time to connect with God, to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do the things that Jesus would have you to do. So in order to be able to do that really well, you've got to schedule time in to be with God, but also you need to schedule time in to be with other people and to invest really well in relationships. And so you need to be very careful about who you're saying yes to, but who you're saying no to as well. And you need to be sure, make sure you're not putting too much in your schedule because if you're just moving from thing after thing after thing after thing, you're missing out on noticing the invitations that God has for you in the midst of your day. Because he wants to work through your gifts and your talents. He wants to help make our city a better place. He wants more people to encounter the goodness of God. But if we're so overly busy, we miss out on seeing that. We don't see what God's doing around us. We don't see the invitations that he's inviting us into. And so we need to start, I think, simply with our schedule, making sure that we're not overly busy so we can live at a Jesus-paced way of doing life. And so let's look at those schedules. Let's sit down and just evaluate. Where are you spending your time? Where are you spending your resources? Where are you spending uh, all, all of these different things? And are you spending it really well? Or are you being kind of passive about it and letting people put things on your schedule? Maybe you need to create a budget. Maybe you've been spending too much money in certain areas. And so you need to create a budget and you need to create a simple one and then just kind of stay within that budget to, to make sure that you're honoring the things that you need to be paying, but you're also not wasting money in certain areas. So that way you have the ability to be generous when there's a need that arises within the community or we can each kind of chip in and help with that, especially when people get sick or people have unexpected medical bills or something like that. We can all kind of pitch in to help out as a community to make sure that we're we are being generous as God has been generous towards us, even in our finances. Maybe you need to simplify your possessions. Maybe you've bought into just more is better, and that's actually not true. We can actually live on with far less. And so maybe you need to simplify the things that you actually own so that way you're not constantly spending time taking care of that or cleaning up after that. And so just simplifying, decluttering, eliminating things that you don't use, selling them off or blessing other people with them or donating them to a nonprofit within our city. 
Maybe you need to not make impulse purchases. Maybe you need to make sure that you're leaving things in your cart for a few days as you think and you pray about it. Is this purchase really necessary? Is it needed? Am I buying into a false promise that I think if I buy this new shiny thing that it's suddenly going to make things better? Or is there something else that's in play there? And really think through your purchases. Really prayerfully consider how you're spending your time with that and how you're spending your resources with that. We talked about scheduling what matters first and foremost. As you look at your schedule, maybe you plan out for a few months ahead of time. Maybe you plan a year out. I don't know what that looks like for you, but make sure that you're putting the most important stuff on the schedule first. For us, when we look at our year, we are making sure that we're putting our family stuff on the schedule before we plan on a lot of the other work things to make sure that we're keeping priority where things need to be prioritized. Maybe you need to create space between activities, not do too many things, butted up against each other, but creating margin between those different things. So you can be praying, coming out of a meeting or going into another meeting or listening to the Holy Spirit as he might want to tell you something as you're about to meet with someone that you might be able to be a blessing to them. Maybe you need to create boundaries around technology of not watching hours of television every day, maybe not using technology. Um, for certain periods of time. And so what does that look like for you? Cutting down on Netflix, cutting down on Hulu, maybe doing less time on social media, or maybe it's eating out less and eating more meals at home. So here's just a few ideas of just beginning to practice simplicity, practice simplicity in just really small ways because walking this life of faith We need to make sure that we are being intentional about modeling this in every part of our life and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak into these things so that way we can continue to grow in the things that He would have us to grow in. And we don't do these things out of religiosity, but out of taking Jesus' way very seriously, taking Him up on the invitation of experiencing a light and easy burden as we center life around the practices of Jesus. And the payout is more peace, more ability to be present, have greater ability to show love, and to live less anxious, which would be a beautiful way to spend our life. And again, this takes time, it takes patience, it takes practice. Oftentimes it takes us of unlearning cultural practices that we've picked up over time to relearn the ways of Jesus. And it takes some experimentation, some trial and error as we figure this thing out. Maybe something's good for one particular season, but you need to keep changing that and be willing to change that as the Holy Spirit prompts you. And as we continue to have conversations around this in our community, we need to be more resources on this subject. I want to point you to John Mark Comer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, as I think it's just a phenomenal resource as we have conversations around what it looks like to practice the way of Jesus and our like cultural setting today, just different spiritual practices that will help us along the way. And as always, if you need to connect with us, or you have any questions, please connect with us through pinehillschurch.org, where you can email and get in contact for us. If you want to connect with any other things that we have going on, be sure you're checking out the website. And if you want to practice generosity towards our community so we can continue to do the things that God is asking us to step into, that I again want to point you to the website. But I just want to thank you for taking time to continue the conversation. We really love practicing the way of Jesus. We know it's going to make a difference in our community and in your life. So I can't wait to see you in the next episode. Have a great day. Bye.